Hello and welcome to the Three Guys Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Ben. I'm Dixon. And we just got back from X-Men Days of Futures Past. Yes, the X-Men films are finally talking about time travel. Joy. This is movie seven. And it was the one film where for the first time I was just like, oh no, an X-Men film. I didn't really have that sense of dread going into even some of the bad ones. We saw like we saw Wolverine, what, um, like six months ago? Something and I didn't like go into that one with dread. I went to this one with dread just because of the subject matter. It's like the first time I go into it, it's like, oh, it's time travel. We'll talk about that very quickly because it's not complicated. Normally we would go into, into a bit here where we talk about whether or not to see it in 3D. However, just due to the way timing worked out, we did not see it in 3D. So we have zero opinion on whether or not you should see it in 3D. No, we saw the normal version. We saw the normal version. Mm-hmm. We'll start with what I talked about just very briefly earlier. The elephant in the... Not the elephant in the room, because I don't know about you guys, but when I went into this one, I had the fear that time travel, X-Men, that never works out properly, because they're always confusing and convoluted, and they're going to do it with their movie franchise, like, just forget yeah. about it. They have oh. enough trouble keeping continuity straight without time travel. Well, yeah, time travel always seems to bugger things up or really over-convolute everything. And their modes of friggin' time travel change all the time. It's really weird. It always depends, I find, with sci-fi and with time travel, and time travel is basically sci-fi, mm. is that it has to play by rules it, it sets up at some point. Because if it doesn't play by those rules, then there's no way anybody else can follow it. Well, my biggest fear was is they were going to pull like a time machine out of their ass. And just like, ah, we had this, it was in the basement. Well, they could have gotten Forged to do that, but that's not how they do things. No, it's actually very simple. Yes, there's not much we could talk about without going into spoilers, but thankfully, the time travel mechanic is nowhere near as convoluted or confusing as you would expect it to be. They have a scene that sets it up. They have one scene that sets it up, and it's actually a really good action scene. There is a mutant that can send someone's mind back to their younger body. With all the memories they've had, no one else knows anything that's happened in the future. It's just the one person. Well, except I guess... there's one weakness that the further you go back, the more it can damage your mind, so she can't really send you back too far. So they send back the one guy that can survive that kind of stuff, Wolverine. the Wolverine. Because it's Wolverine. He can do that kind of stuff. You break him, he just comes back. It alleviated my big fear that the time travel in this movie would be complicated because thankfully it's not. No, it's they just keep, power. They keep the two realms, the future and the present very separate yeah surprisingly we don't spend a whole lot of time in the future no that's actually what's nice because i was a little concerned too that they'd be like uh the hobbit back and forth back yes and like for very long sections obnoxious sections damn you ian mckellen (laughs) stop dragging us back to your scenes (laughs) he's a good actor though yeah it's not Uh, his fault (laughs) not his fault so what that means is for because I know comic book buffs out there's like, well, how does this tie in with all the continuity of these six other movies that are in this franchise? Don't worry about it. I read an interview where Brian Singer said, we know there's a whole bunch of continuity conflictions all across our movies. They're all written at different times, of course, and there's a lot of different reasons why the continuity doesn't necessarily make sense if you put it all out on paper. Brian Singer's advice was just ignore it. And for the most part, it doesn't play a whole lot into it. No, the only movie you need to really see going into it is First Class. Because... It does mention the other movies. You don't necessarily need to see them. Well, if I could say a second one, you have to see possibly X-Men Wolverine Origins. Yeah. Or X-Men 2. Which basically tells the origin anyway. Like that, none of them hurt because Wolverine has been involved in all of them. Like, he's aware of all of it, but the other characters, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. Wolverine's the only character that, that knows anything about this alternate timeline. That has time any of this line. baggage. So for that notion, because I know Dixon doesn't like time travel movies, and I don't blame him because too many movies go crazy. Like, the rules, we don't need these. Yeah, like, I mean, movies that use time travel well... Back to the Future. Back to the Future and Terminator. And even Terminator mm. kind of messed that well, up. Well, that's the first two. <laughs> the yeah. only, right, right. Right, the only two Terminator movies. The only movies. two Terminator movies that ever <laughs> happened. And ever will happen. Because any more would just be crazy. Just crazy. I don't know if you had the same fear of time travel like as a movie mechanic as, as I did. Did you think it was done well? Was it done poorly? It was done well. They, they explained it very quickly. Very concisely. They sum it up. How it works. These are the rules and they stick with those rules. Right. I mean, she basically describes in just one paragraph what she can do. Yeah. How it's done. And they have a scene that sets it up. So time travel worked in this movie. Don't You don't have to worry about it. Don't, don't think about it too hard. Just, just enjoy the movie as it's... It's as, not stupid. It's, we're not saying, like, don't turn off your brain. It's just... Relax your mind. If you're worried about time travel convoluting things and continuity messing everything up... It doesn't. Don't. It, it does not. It only has the bare minimalist of effect. I was also worried this film was going to be playing a lot into setting up Age of Apocalypse because they had already announced this move. That movie was their next step prior to finishing filming in this one. So I was worried this film was going to spend its all this time setting up for that one. There is a post credit scene that sets it up. That's it. Yeah. So, time travel aside, so what Ben was talking about is when they do go to the future scenes, they are rather dark and rather violent, but in very, like, cheaty, cheatsy ways well, yeah. for the first part. We'll segue into action then. Uh, I think it's a good way to go here next. The action scenes... First off, Wolverine doesn't do that much in this movie. As far as action scenes go? No, not really. What's he got? He's got a little dinky-ass fight in the beginning. Fight with Magneto, that's kind of it. Even then, can you really call it a quote-unquote fight? I wouldn't. It was a better fight than Wolverine would normally put up to against Magneto. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, It no. was maybe ten seconds longer. <laughs> yeah. So, no. The, only, the real fight scenes you get are with... The future cast. And Mystique. And Mystique. Yeah. Mystique gets a... T- this is practically Mystique's movie. In retrospect... She's part of the main cast. Yeah. She's she's upgraded from home. the blue cheesecake to almost literally being the second or well, third. Well, in first class, character. she's like she's one of the three most important characters in first class. Yeah. yeah, they really upgraded her from that point, but not before that. Before she was yeah. just well, she was just background, you know, miscellaneous spy coming to femme fatale. Yeah. Femme fatale. That, so yeah, the action scenes in the future very brutal, very uh, violent. That's where I want to say you get your special effects heavy fight scenes. Yeah, because. You get Storm, it's Halle Berry coming back, and yeah. she doesn't do anything of note that oh, she was Halle Berry. Yeah. Get, that's that's uh, a nice nod to continuity. They like doing that. It's like, oh, we had this person here. We'll bring them back, even if it's for like 10 seconds. Yeah, they did that with basically everybody. <laughs> yeah, they did that with basically everybody. But so for the fight yeah. scenes, yeah, you get some very well done ones. You get some mutants that you don't normally see in other media. Like from who, the comics, some fan favorites. Like Bishop finally gets a showing, and he doesn't do a whole lot, but... His powers are They get well his executed. powers right. Like, before I'd seen this movie, I know you had tried to explain to me Bishop's powers, and I had misunderstood what they did. But this film helps, like, oh, this is how this works. It puts a good visual concept behind it. Yeah. They have... Um, Blink is a fan favorite, and she, she's got portal powers. Yeah. And they're well used. Uh, we see more Colossus than we have ever seen... Ever. ...in the other movies. Um, Iceman... Iceman yeah. makes... I don't want to say a comeback, because he only doesn't really do a whole lot. He's expensive. 
to be like as a as a character to to create special effects wise, he's very expensive. He's oh, probably yeah. not the Especially most with how he uses his powers too, because he does a lot of sliding with ice and shit like that. Yeah, that's just he's probably not the most expensive special effect character. We'll get to him in a second. And there's Sunspot, Warpath. You know, he's he's a fan favorite too. People yeah. like Warpath. But we get a they have some good fight scenes with these Sentinels that are like they can adapt and change, and they're killing everybody. Those are freaky. We'll, Those we'll, Sentinels. We'll, we'll save some. We'll talk about the Sentinels more in like, when we talk about like the visuals, because yeah, I think. Well, this is the visuals. We're doing really? action scenes. Well, well action actions visuals. are the actions visuals. and visuals. Fun. Yeah. I. It is. There's there's two versions of Sentinels in this movie. Of course, there's the ones that the internet have seen. That a lot of people complained about because internet nerds complained about everything. Which one was that in the seventies? The seventies one. Yeah. Because those are ones that are, for the most part, physical props. Yeah. Except for the few times they're doing stuff, then they're actually CG. Yeah. They looked okay. Which you know, kudos to them. They made physical props for those guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. And to be fair, you know, it's they're I'm, I'm decently a... realistic, quote unquote. I like how they had these robots. Their, their body yeah. was basically a big turbine. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the stuff in the future. Where they're shape shifting to power shape shifting, their power shape shifting to absorb other people's power, be immune to it. They they can meld their bodies into like knives and stabbing weapons. It's like T one thousand. I was gonna say that if the T one thousand could shoot laser beams out of its face, which did is really have, creepy. Yeah. It was really creepy. But did you have a flashback to um, Thor? Oh, the destroyer. The destroyer. A little bit. A little bit. Mm. Like it's, it's it, they're not they're, it's only thing just like they're big unstoppable robots that's pretty yeah. much it they were okay even then like uh, the future ones weren't that big they were what about a human and a half tall yeah they're sleek is the point is yeah but they're they were mm. kind of terrified but you, of how you get these very dark fight scenes where like because the first one sets up how the time travel works so you get people dying yeah and but the people that are dying on screen at, at first are like people that they're yeah. not being dismembered as a human body it's like no. a metal guy getting killed or a fire guy getting killed or an ice guy getting his head yeah, the ice off. guy the ice guy gets it bad like a like a ice man gets his head broken off yeah he gets his head decapitated and crushed while in ice form this is like ooh. and then of course it's like oh it's okay because uh, time trouble fixes everything which uh, is actually kind of jarring because i was just like what happened <laughs> yeah that i think i think that's the point of that scene it's supposed to jar you with like we're playing with time travel but ooh. And then the stuff in the seventies is like for effect wise, it's a good period piece movie. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, like first class was a surprisingly good period piece movie. Yeah. For for visuals, like it definitely looked like it took place in the seventies with the clothing and the various locales. And they didn't rely on soundtrack. It was very. It was very classy the way they handled their interpretation of the seventies. Oh. The future scenes are very dark visually at, from like. Sometimes it was a little hard to see what was going on. That was yeah. my problem. I, I, I noticed too. that. Especially when the movie first booted up, I wasn't sure what I was looking at because it's just like, oh, it's all dark. Like, I, I really, like, I know we say we won't talk about it because we didn't see it in 3D, but I hope those scenes are adjusted for 3D because those future scenes are almost too dark to see, especially in the outdoor shots. The interior it shot that they use a lot, that, like, Chinese uh, fortress yeah, or whatever it is. It's not bad. Like, it's decently lit. The outside stuff is very hard to see, so... But I kind of understand why. I mean, it's kind of stormy and night outside. It didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. It didn't have to be that dark. Like, it could be dark, but it doesn't have to be impeding my vision as a viewer dark. Yeah. Yeah. The lighting can be done so that... I know it's dark, but I can see. Then we get... I mean, if there is someone that's got a visual 
Mystique with her shape changing. We've seen this for the last how many movies. We know how it works. They've they've pretty much perfected that. And then Magneto, who does some impressive stuff in this movie. Yeah, yeah he does. I think the standout moment that, that works for a lot of people, though, is Quicksilver. We get a Quicksilver in this movie. A lot of people were annoyed at that, but again, internet fanboys are annoyed at everything. Everyone gets I was surprised he was in it. I Because I thought, because he's going to be in the Avengers. I don't know how they're going to... Do they both have, like... Is it, like, a joint custody thing? They both have rights to the character? I'm not sure how they got away with that, to be perfectly honest. I under, As I understand it, like that's why they called the miracles in Captain America, because they can't call the mutants. Like, Fox has the rights to the word mutant for films, as far as superpowers go. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they did it. To be fair, they never call him Quicksilver, though. In the movie. In this yeah. movie, no. So maybe that's how they're getting but away with it. But he's Pietro Maximoff. He's Pietro Maximoff. He's got the speed powers, the silver hair. A red-headed little sister. A red-headed little sister that they don't name. Yeah. yeah. But it's... And then, you know, they imply that it, the Magneto is his dad. They do have that joking scene. They never say it, but they kind of but imply it. But at one point, yeah. like, his super speed is wow. His super speed is... We were we had this conversation in the car ride back. He's more like the Flash. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, because it's a very impressive visual for that scene. Yeah. He drops his guy, like... It's a fight scene that's about to break out. And as opposed to letting, you know, Wolverine do his thing and Magneto do his thing... He just drops his goggles, puts in his headphones. I'm not even sure what he was listening to. I don't know how you could listen to anything. Maybe he has a sped up vi- version on his Walkman. <laughs> Maybe he does. We don't know. And he's practically running. He's just running around the room. He's setting up stuff. He's moving bullets that are being shot. Like It's a really cool visual. And it's one of those scenes of like, it's a shame we don't get to see more speedsters in action in like cartoons or in movies. But a scene like this, you understand why. This is probably one of the most expensive scenes to film. Well, probably. Just from an effect perspective. But it was well done. Like, mm. It was very a, uh, very unique and very comical, which I think is what they wanted out of this Quicksilver. Yeah. And as far as, like, were you impressed by the fight scenes in the future? They weren't bad. The problem with the, uh, with the second fight scene, the climax one, is... I'm actually trying to think of what my biggest problem with that one is. It's too brutal and too depressing? It's not that it's brutal and depressing. I get why it is. It, it is brutal and it is depressing. But these Sentinels, they're not interested in anything other than killing you. Yeah. So once you're dead, they're just like, eh, we're done. Hmm. Oh, I, I, like when they, they weren't like amazing fight scenes. They were pretty good. They were pretty good. They, they were, like pretty I said, good, they were definitely they were... more spectacle heavy. Because uh, again, that's the fight with Storm. That's the fight with Bishop. Like absorbing energy and shooting stuff. It's yeah. a fight with yeah. Blink. Making portals and throwing colossus and giving not, like, a, and like you, helping uh, people escape and, and helping uh, uh, Bishop shoot his gun. Yeah, like making them like, like closer. See, they're very creative with their portals. Yeah, it, that was that was one of the best parts of the movie for that. I like I said I didn't know what she was. I was like oh she has portal powers, cool. That's exactly how I th- figure those powers yeah. work. I didn't think they were as interesting as the stuff we would see earlier in the film. Even some of the stuff in the 70s. But then again, not a lot of the 70s stuff was all that great either. Mm. It was more dramatic. Yeah. It didn't serve like a... It wasn't a spectacle. It was more dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Like Beast going after Magneto. Beast know? going after Magneto at the... Uh, the yeah. That was right. more of a dramatic fight scene. Yeah, the future it, ones were just more kind of... They, I, I guess they just didn't seem so impressive because they were obviously one-sided. That you knew how this was going to go. We saw how it went the first time. Yeah, you saw that. The Sentinels like, don't lose. <laughs> yeah, it was like, eh, they're going to die. When you have how to resort, are they going to die? When you have to resort to time travel to beat these guys, and even then you're not really beating them, 
you're merely delaying the inevitable. I almost felt that the last scene, they didn't have to fight the Sentinels. The movie puts itself... Eventually, there is a time limit. A time limit is imposed that they can't send Wolverine back forever. So I don't know why it was necessary to kind of like... One or the other, the Sentinels attacking, or the other thing that they kind of used to set up the time limit... Yeah, the key could have been used. The two action scenes... They don't, they're not really necessary to have both. They're like, not both necessarily played together. I think it's to, to, to so for some fans to like... Just have that second fight scene is kind of nice. Yeah. But I don't think from a storytelling perspective, it was really necessary to see it. No, but I, I think they did it just because it was kind of a... Oh, you know, they ran out of their original times. I, I Try to make it more dramatic, too. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's definitely trying ending. to cheese the uh, dramatic factor up. And, well, I don't think it's bad in that regard. I do think it's a... Um, I don't think it adds to... Because there's two fight scenes kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. And they're both... And they don't clash, but they don't think they up the other. In fact, for the most part, the fights are... They're both one-sided. I mean, it um, all works out in the end, like... So enough for that acting. Let's quickly go over acting. Hugh Jackman is very comfortable in this role. He's kind of toned back for this one. I think he's toned yeah. back for this one because it's playing into the first class story. As I mentioned earlier, he's not really a factor in first class. They reference his one scene in first class. Here, he def- he doesn't he doesn't keep the foreground. Like I see, he's very much a background character, surprisingly. He's a messenger. Oh. And after that point where he's given his message, he actually kind of runs out of things to do. Yeah, even by the time they're in Paris. Even by the time he's they're in Paris. He's kind of like... Yeah, once he convinces them, he just ends up turning into a bodyguard, more or less. Yeah. He follows along. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, because it allows the first-class actors and the characters from the first-class universe, we'll call it, to kind of do their own thing. Charles Xavier, played by Patrick Stewart and uh, James McAvoy. They have that great uh, scene that's mentioned in the trailers of the two versions of the character talking to each other. And a little hokey, but... Kind of hokey. Powerful it, at the same time, you know? It seemed a little weird, though, because it was kind of like he could he could talk to himself through time, through Wolverine. It's kind of like, that's weird. It's one of those things you so, can only think so much about, because it's... Yeah. That's okay, what I like expected I said, all the time travel to be like. was like, ah, yeah. but fortunately they never do. Like I said, it doesn't bother me. It just seems a little weird, but it's like, okay, you know, there's... Speaking um, of, Ian McKellen and, Pac- and Patrick Stewart are both... Very good in their the future roles, quote unquote. You see very little of them, but that's fine. I think that kind of works out because when they are together, they do act like like close friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of they have a lot of regrets, specifically Eric, um, which we see like he uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto in the past is a total prick. He's done some bad things, and he's a general asshole. General asshole. That's being nice. <laughs> I'm being very forgiving. Like, he's the guy pretty uh, when he. A young extremist, I guess. He, yeah, he flair for he, the dramatic. He has yeah. a flair for the dramatic, but I can just imagine the scene of Ian McKellen remembering all the shit he does, like, oh, God fucking damn it. <laughs> I was a dumb shit as a kid. It was a different time. It was the 70s. Everyone was rebellious. Yeah. Uh, including people who could use metal for whatever the hell they want. Mystique is good. Yeah. Again, Mystique is good. I regret I don't know the name of the actress that plays her. Uh, I know the actor is, that's very sad of me that I don't know that. The actress and yeah, yeah, she's she's good. Uh, again, it, it's 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 a good thing she's good because she has. She the was better role. in first class. I think her role in she first a, class. She had, more of a, she had a bigger role in first class, but she's very important here. Yeah, yeah. Her I role was, is smaller, but she's more important. Exactly. Beast was good. Beast was good. Uh, I like how they use the character. They still got him tangling with the concept of not quite accepting the fact that, oops, I made myself blue. I blew myself. 
<laughs> I blew myself. It was terrible. It ties into like the story with Charles and. So, he, he, they use that whole mechanic later in the movie. And I do love the Beast cameo towards the end of the film. I like that. Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer back is like six seconds as the Beast. That's like. It wasn't even six seconds. It was, hey. I think I, I might be being generous with six mm-hmm. seconds, but it's a nice little nod yeah. to the continuity of the series. Because I guess at some point B doesn't survive normally, but who knows. And, and for me, the most disappointing, but not because he was bad, was Peter Dinklage. The, yeah, as Peter, Boulevard Trask it was kind of yeah. Mm. yeah Peter Tinklage doesn't have I don't want to say he doesn't have anything to do with the role but that's kind of it like it's not that he's bad it's just the role is the role's kind of pointless well, like, you very, can put anybody in that role it doesn't it's have a very to be. bland role like, you know he's a super smart scientist that hate mutants and his motivation is not well explained really no he's very it, vague very vague very vague and kind of confusing even when they kind of do try to explain he has that it. scene with Stryker at the lab Striker 3 or 4 whichever version of Striker he is no wonder Striker hates mutants between them doing the things he between his son and all the he's been beaten up by mutants since the 70s I'd be upset too <laughs> but yeah, uh, Peter Dinklage is not bad in the role it's just it feels like he was brought in because of his star power because of his star power it's like Brian Cranston and Godzilla unfortunately difference is he stays in the movie the whole time but he, he's never as important as he should be yeah. yeah, or like I said, there's the option B. Peter Dinklage wormed his way into the movie through his agent somehow because he, of his star power. He might be a big X Men fan. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I've not seen as to how we got the role either way. So, just him getting a paycheck. This could be that too. Like there could be deleted scenes. It could be a lady number of things. Yeah. But the final product ultimately boils down to he's just not that interesting, which is a little disappointing because Peter Dinklage is a good actor. He's a very um, good actor. It's just. He doesn't have anything to do with the role, and that's for any number of reasons. So uh, that's, that's a big problem with the film, unfortunately, that the villain's weak. But fortunately, Michael Fassbender's Magneto is practically the villain every time anyway, so... Yeah, yeah he's a, Michael Fassbender plays a good asshole. He play, very, It's not very often he plays a, a good guy. Well, final rating time? I think it'd be a good time to go into final rating. I had horrendously low expectations. Like, oh boy, the X-Men movies, they've always felt really weird in the superhero genre... But they're not bad. But they've always kind of been their own style versus trying to replicate the comics. Because it's really hard to replicate the X-Men. Yeah. Very convoluted stories generally and a lot of characters. They have less identity than most Justice League or Avengers members sometimes. And that's saying quite a bit. But this movie did it. You know, it did a time travel movie fairly well, fairly concisely. Mm. Um, I'm happy with the period piece. Like, that was one of my favorite parts about First Class. And I wasn't lost or, like, left waiting on any plot threads in this one. Like, I wasn't first class. First class had little niggly parts to it that I was kind of bothered by and visuals I didn't like. This didn't have any of that. I was very impressed. And I would give this a... I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Just because I think there could have been a little bit more spectacle to it. And the villains probably could have been a little stronger. And the villain could have been a little bit stronger. And maybe it was a little too dark for me at some points. But I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting like something dumber. More flashy and dumber. And I got something that's actually... Decent. Like a bit deeper. But I was expecting a bit more... A bit more flair. And it didn't have it. But that's kind of how the X-Men movies have always been. As opposed to like the Avengers movie. Or even... Well, uh, even the new Spider-Man movie was a lot flashier than this. Hopefully, yeah. as we get into the, if they can't do Age of Apocalypse flashly, then like with Flash or Flare, then they just can't do it. Yeah, 
And they, they have no excuse when Apocalypse. As far as Age of Apocalypse goes, I don't know how. How are they going to do that? They, they can't. I don't think they're going to do the Age of Apocalypse story. You can't do that story. You can't do the first after story. doing days like after doing Futures Past. You can't do the Age of Apocalypse story. It would just be like a rehash. So how do they're just going to use Apocalypse then? as the villain? I have heard it was supposed to be Age of Apocalypse. I don't. It's it's too early to tell. All I know is they plan to use Apocalypse, which has a lot of people pointing to Age of Apocalypse as the next script. It's hard to tell. It it really is, and I think when we see that one in a couple years, we'll have to see how it goes then. I went into this one with horrendously low expectations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which again is for a lot of different reasons. I didn't like First Class that much. I've never made that a secret. It's not a favorite film of mine. It's good. But, eh, I'm still very male on that one. And, of course, you know, the time travel, the story, just like, oh. And, of course, the fact that they were going to be doing Apocalypse immediately afterwards, I was worried for a lot of good reasons, I thought. Fortunately, this film, the time travel was simple. It played by its own rules, which is always a plus. And it didn't set up for Age of Apocalypse. Like, it didn't have these, like, oh, this will be used later. Or... Like, in some of the, like, in some of the Marvel studio movies, like, Thor 2 or Iron Man 2 Captain America the first Avenger that one was really bad for it I like that film well, Thor, like the, the first Thor movie the first Captain America movie the second Iron Man movie are all terrible for that yeah, yeah. and I like a few of those but I, I cannot protect them from that they are they play too much setup to the future but like I said first the like, days of future's past had none of that problem I was very surprised by that and it means a lot better than first class was the problem I had with First Class was just, not necessarily the time travel mechanic, like, well, not time travel, uh, but the fact that it was just rewriting history. I know some people had an issue with that, but... It wasn't rewriting, it was just making its own continuity. And at a point, I was just like, fine, it's its own continuity. But here, they're, they're tied a lot better together than I expected. Everything that worked, that I didn't like in First Class is fixed here. The mutants are better, which, you know, they can't all be great, but the yeah. ones they do use here to fill gaps are much better than the stuff they used in first class. I'm with you on this one. I, I do think it's a solid six. It was a lot better than I expected. Expectations were really low. I got what I wanted out of it. I'm still concerned as to what we'll do with Apocalypse when we do that. So how would you rate it then, Ben? There isn't really much to complain about this. I mean, it's... Well... What I like to say, what I like to call it is it's a kind of a simple movie. I mean, they don't try to add too many characters to make it complex. I mean, is there a bunch of characters? Yeah, but well, honestly, a lot of them, like, well, most of them in the future, they kind of throw them away. I mean, they never really mention most of their names. This, they exist for action fluff and yeah. not a whole lot else. I mean, you get your basic main characters in the past, you know, Magneto, Xavier, you know, Logan... Yeah, what characters we've all grown comfortable with? I mean, those group in the beginning there kind of, once again, also throwaways. Never really mention what their names are. You know, it, it gets a little weird when they tell you why Magneto was thrown into that super jail. You that know? was an interesting plot point, actually. Like, yeah, was I was like, of... oh my god, are you really using this? And then they kind of change a little bit later, and it's like, oh, okay. It's also it's... really weird. Yeah, it, it's weird too, but it's a little better. Yeah, he's not... It, it makes more irre, sense. He's not irredeemable. Yeah. Obviously, because we see Ian McKellen's okay guy. Yeah. Magneto, as a character, has always had to walk that fine line between a villain that we don't want to side with, yet at the same time, he's the opposite of Charles. They're friends, and you understand why they'd be friends, 
They're just yeah. split on this particular issue, and unfortunately, that particular issue is us humans. Like, he's... You can't even really explain what he is. He's not necessarily evil, but he's bad kind of thing. He's, he's not bad, but he's evil. I would classify what he does as evil for the what he feels is the greater good. Yeah. He's very... He's direct. He's not... He's not a subtle dude. This is a problem. Get rid of the problem. Granted, he's not trying to fix the problem. So I don't know how subtle Magneto's ever been. Not never really, but not anyways. that helmet. Nope. No. <laughs> so how would you rate it then? But honestly, I gotta agree with you guys. You know, it, six would be fairly solid. I mean, it's better than average, but it's not really. It's a almost great not movie. memorable. It's it's good. It's good, but it's almost not like am I gonna watch this again? Not for a while. No, you'll remember the basics think, of it. I think the, but, all the X-Men films have that problem. Even the good ones, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, There's they, not enough spectacle to want to like watch a particular scene again. No, no one scene for me in this movie is just like, man, I gotta see that again. No, I mean, as a story, I mean, like, you remember the basics and Spider-Man it's like, eh, had I'm that. good. Spider-Man has the spectacle. Uh, Captain yeah. America had the spectacle. Godzilla, for me, had that spectacle. Again, differing opinions. This movie is very much, you know, there, there may be a, you know, 10 minutes worth of, you know, the 200 minutes worth of movie to watch there. Didn't mm. feel that long either. Which is not a good thing. Uh, it was another two-hour movie that did not feel its length. No, it was very well paced. Like, it's, it's a good movie. It's, it's a b- above-average movie. It's just there's nothing... There's nothing fantastic Very memorable. It. it doesn't have the same spectacle or panache that Amazing Spider-Man 2 did. Yeah. It can be decent, but it won't ever be great. Six out of ten. Nothing terrible, nothing great. In any event, this is the Three Guys Podcast signing out. Uh, We will see you next time. Good night, folks. Good night. Bye.